0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Read all of our stories over at MichiganInsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. So the phrase emergency pod gets used on social media. I see it. I see it from some of our colleagues. Uh, I, I, if I'm podcasting, it's clearly not an emergency. That's just my general rule on life. But this is about as close as we get uh, within the last 12 hours, two players have gone off scholarship for Michigan. Uh, Colin Castleton entered a transfer portal. Jace Howard, Juwan Howard's son, um, I guess opted. I don't know if he opted yesterday, but but Josh Henschke broke the news yesterday that he will be a walk-on player instead of a scholarship player. And so suddenly, you know, throw in the David DeJulius news from Monday, Uh, you know, Michigan fans are suddenly going from panicking about if Michigan will get down to the scholarship limit, which I think you and I have said on this podcast 50 times, we've said it for football too. Uh, The numbers, the numbers have a, there's a little bit of a natural way of working out that the numbers have is, you know, players, when the roster gets crowded, players say, okay, is this my best opportunity to the league? Is this my best uh, place to be? So, I don't know. Fans can worry about whatever they want to worry about. It's not a big deal. But usually the numbers work out even better than people think. I mean, John Beeline oversigned a couple times and he ended up with extra scholarships available. So uh, it's just kind of how it happens. Attrition in college basketball happens as as much as ever. But uh, we're going to talk about what these moves mean. I think one was a little bit more expected than the other. And I, I think consequently one has greater bearing on what you know kind of reading but reading the tea leaves a little bit than the other but first we can start with Colin Castleton's decision to transfer um, it reminds me a lot of Julius. Julius it, it's it's basically it's someone who I think Michigan would have been happy to have had come off the bench or or be maybe even content for a starting job next year but Castleton has to look at it and say okay is this is this the best place for me or could I be a two-year starter somewhere and and really give? Because I still think he has pro potential. I still think he's he's kind of in between DJ Wilson and Mo Wagner. I think he just never quite figured out Jawan Howard's view of centers. Um, you know, I think I think he was, and then they started playing him at the four, and that that didn't work for him. Uh, f- from a physics standpoint, it probably could. If you put more practice into it, I mean the, you know he's six six eleven around two thirty-five. Um, but it's it's clear Jawan Howard wants post up centers. I mean, you could argue John Teske was almost too small ball for Jawan Howard, and that's that's part of why Austin Davis passed Colin Castleton. Is he was more of a back to the basket, um, you know, body check around in the paint, that kind of center. And and Castleton isn't that way. I mean, he's much more of a Mo Wagner. You could argue even a DJ Wilson hang out on the perimeter. Uh, you know, some runners to the basket obviously do some post-up, but that's not that's not the name of his game. And so kind of like a spread quarterback when a pro-style coach comes in, you, you can probably try to make it work for a year, see if you can emerge as the future starter. I didn't know who was going to start at center. I mean, I, th- I could have – you could have talked me into Castleton – uh, you you could talk me into Hunter Dickinson just based on the season Kofi Coburn had. You know, maybe someone who is just physically ready can make an early impact. Usually, centers—that's where I I'm, I have a little pause where I'm thinking eh, I don't know if he'll make an impact right away, but but maybe Dickinson will. Um, yeah, I don't think Austin Davis is going to start at center. I mean, maybe he'll start, but he won't he won't be the main minute getter at center. And so Castleton had a little bit of a window, but I, I definitely see where, uh, especially with how many transfers there are going on, I absolutely see where he he wants to go somewhere where he can start for two years. Uh, you know, Steve, we probably could have, this was probably one of the more predictable one of the two so far between Castleton to Julius. Um, I mean, he didn't play in six of Michigan's final 14 games. He averaged what, 3.1 points per game. I, I know I, I had the stat in front of me just a moment ago. Um, your thoughts on, on his decision to depart? Yeah,
1: I thought he never looked comfortable. I think you maybe kind of alluded to that. That was the biggest thing I always noticed when he was on the floor, especially offensively. It looked like he was always like thinking a little bit too much, uh, but whether he was looking to make a move to the basket or or you know get post-presence, On the offensive side, you know, it always looked like you could almost predict what he was going to do after he got the ball in his hands, maybe even before, if you were watching him. So, yeah, I agree. Probably the more predictable situation, uh, definitely compared to to DeJulius. And, yeah, for me, I mean, I think this has got to say that Michigan has a lot of confidence in Hunter Dickinson. I know there's talk about the positionless stuff, and maybe Isaiah Todd could actually technically play a decent amount of five, but not as, like, your classic five kind of guy. But but at the same time, yeah, you talk about what what did Michigan do almost every game this year on their first offensive possession? Throw the ball right. down, low to Teske, post up, try to get a basket. A lot like Michigan running zone left, you know, in football for how many years in a row in the first play of the game. You know, this is what Howard likes to do. It looks to be very similar, so I have a hard time believing that, you know, that they're not going to still try to use or, you know, find a real true post presence. And I I agree with you, unless Davis, he would have to really improve defensively. Uh, I think this actually puts a decent amount of pressure on Dickinson just because we Mm -hmm. saw how foul prone Davis can be when he's playing extended minutes. So that's the biggest takeaway for me outside of like Castleton departing, who I agree, I think he could be a good player elsewhere i do think it's somewhat similar to julius i actually wonder if the scheme was maybe holding him back a little bit because he's not you saw he was in better shape he did the you know the camp sanderson he looked like he was a little more rocked up and stuff but he was never i don't think gonna be like a you know a classic right. post because i always thought was it, when he was scouted he was a guy that actually could shoot from the outside a little yep. bit he could he? shoot
0: from the outside in high school? he could shoot from the outside and he could block shots so that's that's where i kind of see him as in between dj wilson and mo Wagner. now i i still sure. think he was a year away from a conditioning standpoint because it's you know he was adding the weight but he also needed to regain some of the quickness uh the shooting touch yeah i'm with you i mean i i think i i'll be curious to see what he does because i i don't know if he'll get quite the same interest as DeJulius. julius he just he hasn't put as, as much on film and so it might not be the exact same deal but i could see cincinnati dayton uh central florida i mean these are all team teams who have had assistants follow him just since he d- entered the portal last night uh you know i i wonder about big 10 teams i i don't think he he i don't think he strikes as a starting big ted center next year i think so i think if he wants to go somewhere where he's going to start right away it probably is maybe in the american conference maybe in the maybe in one of the slightly lesser uh of the big conferences so maybe not the acc or the or the um the big 10 but maybe like a american maybe a big east maybe a um you know a pac-12 sec one of those i know he's from florida I know he has ties to Illinois as well, so
1: I was gonna say that's who that's who I was that was gonna mention them. wasn't that who Michigan beat? Yeah, for his for his commitment and Underwood was the coach at the time too, right? That right,
0: a- right, yeah. Oh, so it's um, yeah. so All Illinois right. Illinois is a possibility. I mean, who knows? Luke Jokic was the guy who offered him first. Does he look at Illinois, Chicago? I know that'd be kind of a that's a little too low on the on the totem pole, maybe but at the same time he would get plenty of minutes and and score plenty of points and play in the city of Chicago for the coach that offered him first so yeah it, we'll I, we'll see i mean it's kind of interesting because uh you know Illinois just lost well who he might come back but Kofi Coburn is a is a they probably want a contingency plan Purdue lost Matt Harms Uh, and it's just it's crazy because if you blink another notable Big Ten player is is entering the transfer portal so you know more power to him I think it's the same deal as to Julius where it's like look he has he has the skill set to become an NBA draft pick not saying he necessarily will but I don't think it was going to happen at Michigan and and I do think it could happen elsewhere if if things click and he puts in the work, so he's got to he's got to put himself in the best opportunity. Anyway, uh, as for what it means, I think you're right. I think the big takeaway here is that Michigan believes in Hunter Dickinson. You know, they've seen it on film they've they've been in discussions with him. Yeah, uh, you know, clearly they clearly they think this is someone who could be a five star, who could start right away, who could be instantly one of the top five or so centers in the Big Ten. If if that's not the case. You'll start to see, hear Michigan's name linked to other centers in the transfer portal, but I, frankly, I don't think Michigan was blindsided by Castleton. Uh, you know, I think I think him him and DeJulius Michigan had an idea for a couple of weeks, and they, ha- <clears throat> excuse me, they haven't gone and pursued a center. So, I think that's one takeaway. The other takeaway, uh, less less to say, just because he hasn't even made it on campus, but Jace Howard. Switching to a walk-on, I think that's very notable because I think Michigan knows how many players they're losing to transfer. Or at least I think they have an idea. I don't think Castleton was a surprise. Yet, Jace Howard still, again, I don't know if he decided yesterday, but he still is going to become a walk-on, which means Michigan... That's the first of the two moves, of the three moves, I guess, that's, that's actually Michigan making room, so to speak. I don't think Michigan's giving the firm handshake to Castleton, and I don't think they're doing it to DeJulius either. I think both players would have been welcomed back. I think it's just a starting issue, but Jace Howard, that is them making a move. That is them saying, we need one more scholarship spot, and so... Steve, I I don't think that means any. I don't think anything's completely dependent on Jace Howard becoming a walk on, but clearly they want to give the impression that they have room before it's too late. Um, you know, Josh Christopher is obviously one, and then and then some a transfer. You know, I know I know Michigan's in the final four for Bryce Aiken. I don't think I said it on the podcast. I might have said it on the message board. But he liked Seton Hall out of high school. They just weren't a very good program. Um, you know, in Harvard, Harvard was actually in a better spot than Seton Hall was when he was in high school. Uh, now it's the hometown team, their NCAA tournament regulars, and they lost two, two point guards from last year's team. So Seton Hall makes the most sense for him. Uh, I know Michigan is still in on Mike Smith. I actually haven't seen a lot of other schools in on Mike Smith. Uh, To the point where where you wonder, I mean, are are they just a finalist by default? I don't know. I don't know who else Mike Smith has been talking to. I know Michigan and Arizona were the first two, Uh, but Steve, your thoughts on? uh, I mean, can anything be gleaned? Two departures in one day. Suddenly, Michigan goes from being in just a span of three days, they go from being over the scholarship limit by one heading into next year to having two scholarship spots available.
1: to your happy place for a happy
0: price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
1: Well, we talked about talked about with the Julius transfer them needing guards. I got to assume that means that they feel good about at least one guard somewhere coming. You know, to the program. I I don't they're not. I don't anticipate them banking either of these spots now that there's two spots uh it would be I don't think it's to their advantage to bank you know so I I I assume yeah like you said I mean you you start to read between the lines a little bit and it's you got to operate as if Michigan knows that somebody's coming and again uh, this is not a uh subtle way of promising anything especially on the recruiting trail but you know, I mean, Christopher, especially a guy Michigan's been after for, who knows, how pretty much since Howard got hired, you know, and it's crunch time as far as recruiting goes in that regard. I know the kids aren't obligated to sign on April 15th, but, I mean, as much as he's teased things on social media, uh, you maybe cross your fingers that this will be over by April or on April 15th or 16th or whatever, so... Yeah, I mean, and then I read about Mike Smith. I know Arizona was the other school mentioned. I want to say Arizona just added a point guard ish transfer to their program recently. Okay, and so you kind of wonder. You kind of wonder, like you said. I just perused the Twitter, uh, the stories about Mike Smith on on Twitter and, and on Google, because that's where you look. And uh, yeah, Michigan and Arizona were the two schools, and in, in every article I found mentioned. And there was nobody else mentioned. So you wonder, like you said, almost by default, if he's a guy that's going to not by default as if Michigan doesn't want him, but that Michigan might not be battling a ton of programs uh, for him, or maybe there was already some sort of an agreement or, uh, you know, an idea that he was going to end up there. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely says, and yeah, you know, with the numbers, I, I just, I don't get it, man. Like, I never understand why anybody ever asks about the scholarship numbers it is literally never not worked out. Like, I don't know if – has a school ever been penalized for signing – literally signing, <laughs> over-signing right. players? And- like, I'm serious, though. It's like if we get this question – you know, you go on the message board and this question pops up, like, in football, spe- uh, 10 months before signing day about, like, how many receivers are they going to sign? You know, and it's like, dude, like, who cares? Who cares? Like they'll have 85, you know, just like, so we've seen it with basketball. This, you know, the, I think the discussion about basketball numbers was more interesting just from the, where is the, where's the attrition and addition going to come from? I mean, when you're operating with such a lower amount of scholarships, it's a little more intriguing, but as far as like getting questions about, you know, is it, is it going to work out? You know, oh no, like what are they going to do? And it's like, it never, it, it always works out. It has to. It has to work out, you know, so – but, yeah, the Jace Howard, I I guess, best-case scenario if you're Michigan. I think it was kind of one of those dream scenarios that people were imagining when he committed, just the logic in that his dad coaches at the program and is being paid a healthy amount of money to do so that they could, you know, it's not going to hurt them financially for him to pay for a Michigan scholarship and he could walk on, and now that that's there – yeah, I think like you said I think this is definitely the bigger of the two like storylines that have developed in the last 24 hours and and again, I got to assume it it means some kind of good news for Michigan whether that be on the transfer market on the recruiting trail or both.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it, it didn't come out of nowhere and and I feel really bad actually for him. I I you know, it's you have Michigan fans basically celebrating that he gave up his scholarship. It's and it, it's I don't know enough about what went inside. I mean, I assume it was his decision. Uh, he could have gone and played scholarship somewhere else. And and Michigan now has three walk-ons, I think this is interesting, that could have played scholarship basketball somewhere else. I mean, Brandon Wade was on scholarship at Duquesne. Jaron Falds was on scholarship at Columbia. Uh, and so now they've got a, you know, Jace Howard was a three-star recruit so now they've they've got a pretty good walk-on team i mean that's a walk-on team that could at least hold its own against against mid-major competition so it's um you know it, i i just i i don't want this to be like a michigan you know like like jace howard gotta go on walk on you know so i'm glad there isn't resentment i just i just hope it was hope it's a decision that he's happy with i know I know his family's not strapped for cash, but there are benefits to being a scholarship player versus a walk-on, um, and, and so on. But yeah, clearly, clearly there was some, there is some s- scenario brewing that Michigan wants to be in position for, and so to me, I actually think uh, this this makes me pretty darn confident Isaiah Livers will come back. I know Draft Express Jonathan Javoni. Uh, he's at ESPN now, but he's he's been doing this stuff for a long time. I think he he's one of the few people that does a mock draft based on talking to NBA agents and sources. Uh, he has Isaiah Livers as the 100-ranked player overall. John Teske is number 88. So that makes me think Isaiah Livers has a pretty good shot of coming back. And then you start to wonder about Todd. Um you know, and Christopher, I th- I think we kind of outlined it on Monday. Uh, just just buckle your seatbelt. I mean, it, it they're both they're both a little bit more theatrical than than I think t- a typical Michigan basketball recruit. I think people under under John Beeline, people kind of got used to all right, commit in May, sign in November, it's done. Uh, obviously, neither of them are in that situation. I, I you know, Todd. He's he's still technically committed. I mean, he never said he was decommitted, but you know he did he did take down a lot of his Michigan stuff. uh, Might have unfollowed some Michigan people. So, but at the same time, he has a similar game to Colin Castleton. Obviously, different different skill sets, but similar position, I guess. Um, You know, does does Castleton departing mean anything for Todd? It might. My assumption is that they just believe Hunter Dickinson will play ahead of Castleton, and Castleton said, "Okay, I'll go somewhere where I'm not potentially third string as a junior, and so um trying to think if there's any any bases we haven't covered uh, I
1: don't think so still haven't
0: seen Franz Wagner enter his name into the draft um that's True. one thing I guess that's that that's maybe the one more news item that I'm." I'm looking at is um, – because, yeah, in a typical year, I could see him rising. I mean, he's just kind of got that that eye test. Uh, but, yeah.
1: Right, and, like, the NBA draft, like, you know, because if he was to go or whatever, like, you know, well, he didn't play that well. It's, it's – the NBA draft is 1,000% about not what you are at this very moment, but what they right. think you can be. right. And he's got – a lot of those intangibles and abilities that I think fit well in the pro game. I'm not suggesting he'll leave and uh, he'll stay in the draft or anything like that, but I can see where the right team would be very intrigued with his skill set. I mean, he's the kind of guy. you you talk, Yeah, you talk about a storyline there. I mean, he's first-team All-Big Ten type guy next year, I think, if he comes back. I mean, he's got... You, you know, you, you're you really starting to see it near the end of the year. I say because for him it was a more consistent shooting stroke, and he's all of a sudden incredibly dangerous, you know, because you see how savvy he is on the defensive end of the floor, and you really, you know, you started to see a, a lot more aggressiveness offensively in driving the lane, getting into the basket, uh, using that length. So, I mean, yeah, it is it is something that actually had has quietly – kind of somehow gone under the radar but uh you know probably a maybe one of the more significant things for them it has to be because the ceiling with hit with if him and livers were to both return and they add one or two more pieces here i mean quite an interesting group for next season
0: yeah yeah i've kind of been i've been looking at it as they have they have four potential all big 10 all nba type players next year um, or not all NBA, but NBA draft type players. They have Isaiah Livers, they have Franz Wagner, they have Josh Christopher and Isaiah Todd. If they get all four on the same team and they all all four make it to campus next year, that this is a top five team. Maybe maybe not quite top five, but top five, top 10 type team. I, I think it's, even still, I'm still not certain that, it, that they're going to end up with all four, just because at some point... People are going to say, well, is this really where I'm going to get the most shots? Is this where I become a, a first-round pick? Or or for for Wagner and Livers, do they say, uh, is my stock really going to improve? But I, I agree. I think I think Wagner, if he comes back, I mean, he was Michigan's best player to close the season. You know, with Isaiah Livers slumping, uh, with John Teske kind of hitting a rut. You know, Wagner really stepped up. I, I want to say he, he led Michigan or was second on the team in scoring for um several of those final games you know he's averaging basically got to the point where he was averaging like 15 points a night so yeah we'll see I guess that's one other decision could there be another transfer I, I think there could I think it's less likely now um just because there are two rotation spots available but you know the wing position gets very crowded very quickly if if Christopher commits and livers and Wagner stick around I mean suddenly Minutes minutes get harder to come by, so um, I'm not ruling out a, a potential third transfer. I do think uh, I do think this means that they're they're in on a grad transfer, though. I, I think this I think that's that's seems apparent to me. You know, we we kind of said that with the Julius leaving. It's like okay, oh, like, clearly there there's legitimate interest in a point guard transfer. Um, so. Trying to, I think I think we covered it all. I think we covered it all. Any anything else you'd add, Steve? Okay, look out for some stories later on today. Kind of looking at at the transfer portal, looking at what this roster looks like for next season. And obviously, if there's any news, uh, you know, we, we try to be on the on the cutting edge of that stuff, too. So check it all out at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll talk to you next time.